Hey guys, this is Professor Robot. And this is Dr. Octave. And really quickly, before we begin the regular episode, we just wanted to take a moment to send our love and condolences to the friends and families of the victims of the recent warehouse fire in Oakland, which actually just happened over the weekend while we were preparing to record this. So uh, we'd just like to say that uh, you know the community is coming together and... Uh, it's really sad to see all these people that just wanted to enjoy music not be able to come home that night. So uh, everybody stay safe and hopefully that music won't be uh, something that uh, results in more deaths the next time we talk about it. Absolutely. And uh, just in a time when we've lost so many creative people and artists to lose so many at one time is uh, a really a tragedy because I feel like creativity and art is uh, going to be more important now than ever, people. Yeah, that's the truth. So do what you can, get out there, hug everybody, and just uh, make something. So, hey everybody out there in magic internet lands, welcome to the Cartoon Violence Has a Podcast or whatever, whatever you oh, guys call it. That's a podcast. <laughs> that's what it's called. You, you got it. Okay, you did so great. yeah, I'm your guest host, Aaron Carnes. Of, of uh, Narboots? Of Narboots. We are all Narboots. We are all Narboots. Uh, I have once been a, a guest on the show, and I've now been upgraded to guest host. And my guests are Blake and Victor. Otherwise known as... <laughs> Cartoon Violence. Or Professor Robot and Dr. Octave. <laughs> so... Uh oh, our secret identities have been revealed. Oh no, the government's coming for us now. So, you guys have never been the guests before, right? No. Not on our own podcast. No, we've never had a guest host either. Ooh, oh, yeah. We're breaking all sorts of boundaries. Yeah, for the holidays. Yeah. So, a Victor, I got a Portland question for you, Victor. Okay. Have you been to uh, a place called the Funhouse Lounge? No. Um, so I've never been there either, but I, I've uh, talked to some people, some comedians who played up there, and I guess it's like a clown-themed bar. Where they Sounds have, like, spooky. Yeah. <laughs> I know they do comedy there. I don't know if they do shows, but uh, yeah, you should definitely go find it and check it out and report back. One of the first places I got dragged to for an event here when I moved up is called the Woodstock Mystery Hole. Uh-huh. That was a trip. Nice. Woodstock Mystery Bowl? Mystery Hole. Oh. What do you did you go in the mystery hole? I did. It, it was down in the earth. How mysterious <laughs> was it? It it boggles the mind. It, questions just rise up from your subconscious. Like why did I pay to go into this hole? Oh, it was a free hole. <sighs> it was a free hole? It's a free hole. I mean, it's only Holy open in certain holies. hours and they've got a gift shop. <laughs> But it's in some holy guy's backyard. Holy I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with holy free holies. Okay, because it's that a works. free holy. So for you know for people out there that are just want a little like peek behind the curtain of what's going on here, um, I'm sitting in uh, Blake's apartment. Uh, we're on his couch, and then Victor is in Portland, and he's skyping in, and he's on the the big screen TV, and that we're looking directly at him. So it's glorious. It's almost like he's here. And to my like low tech mind, it is just just being blown right now. We're pretty, I'm virtually we're, telepresencing. Yeah, we're a very futuristic band. 
<laughs> so first I got um I got some good news for you guys and I got a uh, a grievance that needs to be to that needs to be aired. All right. Which what do you want first? Uh let's get the let's rip the band-aid off, I feel. Okay. Yeah. Grievances. Grievances. So looking at your uh bio and says that uh you guys are a powerful force against the nth wave of ska. Really? Explain yourselves. The nth wave of ska. Yeah. Why are you a force against ska? <laughs> where did you where 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 is this, Doctor? I think you wrote this, Doc. Yeah. Is this yours? I think it may be taken slightly out of context. Do we say other genres that we're against there? Or is it just um, I don't know. My 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 eyes went red. Right. I couldn't see anything except this anti ska rhetoric. But we're I think we're against ska that isn't ska. Right. Oh, and ska like... that isn't ska yet. Like the nth wave, it's an abstract concept. It's not an actual number, so it hasn't happened yet. Once uh -huh. it will have happened, it'll be what, the fourth wave or the fifth wave, and it can be judged on its own merits. There's a generation of ska that sucks, it's our duty to point it out. What where does Jimmy Eat World fit into that? They're not ska, they're wanna be uh, well, they're emo-ish. I don't know. I don't I even think like that term. Classify them as emo. Emo? They're yeah. not ska. But I've they're heard like people call them ska. You you have heard ska before, right? I have heard ska. You've I heard love Jimmy Eat World. I have, heard, <laughs> and that's why I was confused as to why people called them ska. I think we're clarifying okay, that well, they're that as right ska now, right? as the Deftones well, I think, are. I think prog. We're okay, even though I don't totally buy your uh, argument, but okay, uh, fair enough. Fine. But here's the good news. Uh -huh. Great news, I should say. Wonderful. You guys will be happy to know that there is another cartoon violence out there in the UK, and they are a ska band. Oh, we know. That's yeah. that's actually the real reason why Nthwave Ska is mentioned oh, there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think we're first. We're first, and we're American. So, I mean, they're like, it's like there's the Charlatans, and then there's the Charlatans UK. Yeah, so they're Cartoon and, Violence UK. And then there's also, like, the beat and the English beat. So they could be the English cartoon violence, which I think is like, like offering someone tea, but then like pretending to accidentally spill it. I think that's about as impolite as cartoon violence gets. Yeah, in, I did uh, get the, song kick to rename them as Cartoon Violence UK because it kept showing up that we were playing random metal festivals. <laughs> In Europe, I don't even think they're active anymore. I think we outlasted them. Yeah. Well, why were well, they playing metal festivals if they're a ska band, though? That's the question for them. The... Uh, do you guys? I mean, I think like just as a as a fan, I think you guys should really get them on the show. That would be fun, actually. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm then if putting, they're I'm actually done, request. we can get their Twitter handle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be like, can we have your Twitter? That's really all we want. But we'll have you on the podcast. You can talk about how you stole our name. So you guys, so you guys, this is, um, this will be your 20th or 21st episode? 20th. The one we're doing right now. 20th. This will be the 20th. Okay, so you've yeah. done 19. Um, this is what, the Pearl episode? I don't know. What anniversary is 20th? It doesn't matter. So you started about, what, about a year and a half ago? Um, yeah, it's been almost two years. It'll be like two years in March, I think. So yeah. We've been doing this for some reason. As, as do, so why, why did you guys basically try to, like basically turn your band into a podcast or expand your band into a podcast? Uh, I think we both like podcasts a lot and we thought it'd be, we knew a lot of musicians that we wanted to really talk with and like help promote. Like, I, you know, before we did this podcast, we used to do a live stream show where we'd have bands come to our studio that we were living in 
and we would interview them and have them perform live. And I think this is just kind of like, well, we don't have a studio and we're not living in the same places. Like what, what other kind of content can we make beyond while we're working on our like new albums and like, Mm -hmm. you know, playing shows and stuff like that. And, uh, like, yeah, I listen to a ton of podcasts and I know the good doctor does too. So, yeah, pretty much the same reason, you know, it's, it's something that as a venue for our music and our journey gives us a place mm-hmm. to share it. But also, like you said, the continuation of, Hey, let's keep interviewing these bands. We know cause every new show we get booked, we find some other cool local band that we might dig their style, their music or whatever. And it's, it's good to find out more about them and publicize the music we like or the bands we play with, uh, to a wider audience. So now that you've done almost 20 episodes, I mean, has the, has the podcast sort of, have the episodes turned out kind of what you envisioned the podcast to be like, or is it sort of taken its own shape in, in a different way? Uh, it, it, sometimes you gotta like improvise some fun concepts like this, you know, mm-hmm. just to make the content happen. But I think the, you know, episode to episode, it's always different. Like you never really know what you're going to get from a guest until you're sitting down with them. Um, but pardon me, but the, the one thing, (laughs) the one thing that like I, that I always find interesting is just, uh, talking about like what it's like being a musician and trying to go to gigs or dealing with personal issues while trying to, you know, also be a public and creative figure. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is uh, something that really seems to always come through in most of the episodes, at least mm-hmm. for me. I think for me, uh, the episodes, you know, y- you pretty much know when you interview somebody, they're going to answer questions mostly about what you ask about. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you just don't know what s- random stuff will come out. In the especially the more people you get in a room uh on a podcast the the more you you just can't predict what's gonna happen um like I would like to be surprised more, you know, yeah, I think that yep. would be fun, like Narboot surprised us, like the Narboots podcast yeah. was you know you brought out the train whistles, like there were various hijackings going on, I thought it was very <laughs> it was it was the perfect amount of I don't know what Narboots is gonna do but but uh you know taking control away from us that you know i i hope more guests do that that'd be fun do you have any other uh like i'm curious about like not just this year but you know the the entire podcast the entire 19 episodes that you've already done any um any particular memories or anything that just sticks out be it good or bad or just unusual that you just you know feel like as a highlight of the podcast i got food poisoning when we were interviewing the voice actor for duke nukem who's also a musician and doc octave got to like go and hang out with him and have dinner and like hear all these crazy stories after the podcast and like i was just lying at home in bed drinking gatorade and trying to keep it down (laughs) so that was like that was like the saddest moment for me yeah, that was pretty bad. Of all the times for us to have to test doing it on Skype, for it to be our first remote recording, to not have you in the room for, you know, what what was a fun debaucherous night. Yeah. It's, it was sad. That was it was a bummer. 
For but me, in your I'm, honor, I didn't go with them to the strip club afterward because I thought that would have been too unfair to take all the pleasures without you. Ah, I would have. Res- I respect you either way. Either <laughs> way, I could still look you in the eye, even if you had gone. So I guess that's your big regret was not going to the strip club then. <laughs> nah, it wasn't the biggest regret, but. Uh, oh no! What's your biggest regret? It would have been great if we were all there together and could have gone as a group to the strip club uh-huh. afterwards. But but what is your biggest re- regret then? My biggest regret is trying to get everybody to actually make a podcast backstage at Freak Fest instead of just yell over <laughs> each other and say "jiff" a lot. Yeah, that was uh, that was a bold undertaking. Yeah, I mean, we got some conversation. I had to edit like at least half of what we recorded to get something usable. And there were still some like rambling parts that had to be included just to make the parts before and after it make sense. So it probably still sucks to listen to. I'm sorry for anybody that had to, but so go you, listen to it. So you, uh, this was the uh, San Jose Freak Fest? Yeah, Freak Fest NorCal. We took the mics backstage and there were probably, what, eight to 15 people. There were too many people for a podcast. Yeah. Just too many. And I left, I left like halfway through, not even halfway through to come back home to Oakland. Yeah. Like a smart person. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, um, I'm getting out of here. But uh, I don't know. A, one of my favorite podcast moments was when we interviewed John Bodan at his house. And like, you walk downstairs and he's got this arcade next to his music room. And it's uh-huh. what do you get, like about a dozen arcade cabinets in there? At least. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it it was just like nerd heaven. And then also like. Checking out all of his gear, getting to hear some of the like new stuff he was working on, like hanging out with him and uh like really talking like we really talked shop with that guy, I felt. Yeah. So like that was that was a particularly good one. Like I totally agree. And he was just um, like pointing out everything on his pedal, pressing each different button, saying, Well, if I add this, it sounds like that. And you're, yeah. Like, the Mike Park the one was a was a big one for me. Uh, just because I grew up listening to Skank and Pickle and like, I was really into that stuff. And like that, like around like 13 or 14 is when I really started playing bass and I was just listening to a ton of ska and Skank and Pickle. So like getting to interview him was a big treat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you guys used to like, you know, share a like twin mattress or something like that. <laughs> no, we did not <laughs> share a mattress. I, 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 I rented a room at his house. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like he you're did, like he did come in my room un, un, uninvited plenty of times but no we didn't <laughs> so yeah like talking to mike parks like just everyday thing for yeah. for for you mr fancy pants <laughs> fancy well you know uh, my, mike when i was in high school i was like obsessed with skank and pickle too and i was like a like a a fan i didn't know him and um i would just start writing him fan letters Partly because I was like I was a fan, but partly like it just seemed funny to me to write a fan letter, and also like I thought like I w- I really want him to like I re- not what well, wasn't Mike specifically I didn't know who answered the letters I just want Skank and Pickle to to acknowledge me so I'm gonna write these really long really weird fan letters and just sort of like see if the it'll stick out and they'll write me back and so Mike wrote back um, and he's just like the the letter he sent me was something like hey. Here's a here's a piece of tape for you, and there was like a piece of tape uh, attached to like a paper, and I was like, amazing! So I just kept writing him back, and eventually, like I come to find out later, like he was just like 
so annoyed with my letters that he like gave me his phone number and just told me to call him. <laughs> so I started calling him and hanging out with him and stuff. And I'm just still in like high school and I'm like still like starstruck by him. So eventually, like, yeah, we we did become friends and I, I roadied for Skanka Pickle one time. And then I was like, when he, he bought a house in Los Gatos, he said, you know, why, you want to rent a room? You know, I need, I need roommates and stuff. So there you go. And now, now, you now, know, now it's like, you're like, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm like, now I'm you're, now you're on his label. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any guests, like, I'm curious if there's any guests, because like, I know you guys are either friends with all the people that have been on your show, or you're, like, familiar with the work of those people, because there are people you want on your show. Has there been anybody on your show that the way they were on the show completely surprised you? Like, you expected them to be, like, I don't know, really, like, really talkative, or really silly, or really serious, but they were exactly the opposite is what you expected. Oh man, the Petroform one we did took a like really sharp turn for seriousness right away cuz like he was having like issues uh with depression like during his uh new album. Mm -hmm. And like he was going through being diagnosed with like clinical depression and like I've, you know, he's a really nice happy dude when you meet him in person, so like that was kind of a shock to the system, like, right away. And, like, you know, trying to, like, sort of balance the tone of the podcast, like, not really shying away from, like, a serious subject, but also trying to keep the conversation mm -hmm. flowing and make it more upbeat yeah. at the same time. You know, so that was that was a little funky, uh, but good. Like, you know, it was a really good podcast, and, like, I really enjoy like even though we're a weird band that doesn't take ourselves seriously like sometimes you just gotta talk about some serious shit mm -hmm. yeah. yeah um so so if somebody only listened to your podcast and that's the only way they knew of you guys um how much would they know about cartoon violence the band well first of all what the fuck <laughs> I, I think I know this is, I, a, this is a bizarre. Uh, we only plug our shit every episode. Why aren't you listening know. to um, it? <laughs> I think they would want to. I think I'd want them to know that we're much better musicians than conversationalists. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying so they wouldn't really know anything about the band, right? If they didn't, if all they did was listen to the music, like you guys don't really talk about the band on the podcast. Well, uh, I, I don't. I think we both kind of relate like our musician experiences uh being in a band together to what our guests talk about a lot of times or just like on a personal level uh-huh yeah if that makes any sense so they might they yeah. get little tidbits but not like necessarily the whole big picture of like yeah but i don't think we've ever even even spelled out like our alter egos and our the identity of the band and the the mission statement really yeah i i don't know in the weird way like i kind of like keeping it separate so we can be more off the cuff when we do the podcast, so to speak. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, we're always in persona when we're performing, but like, it's not like we bleep out our real names or anything like that. Like, we don't like, like it's almost like, uh, like uh, Guar, I guess, and that like you've seen what Guar looks like under the mask. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't want to be all daft punk about it. I'm just too fucking lazy to deal with that shit. Um, well, I'm so. curious, like, rather than explain the concept behind uh, the the personas or the band i'm curious as to why you guys have decided to create a band with the personas and all this concept to it is it did you guys have this conversation like and sort of design the band or was this something that sort of evolved over time 
Or did this band just sort of cartoon violence, here's the characters, here's the story, boom, let's get started? Well, uh, I, I for me, like, I always had this, like, idea of doing, like, of, uh, like, sort of, you know, anime robot outfit sort of thing. It's actually, I tried, I thought... I thought about I was going to be one of those musicians that does a rock opera about a robot and it's like a big metaphor for humanity or whatever bullshit uh, when I was younger. And that kind of when I started collaborating with the good doctor here, uh, that kind of I was like, well, this is a chance to make like some weird music that'll kind of fit with this concept and I won't have to be straddled to just this one narrative Mm -hmm. that that didn't work so like i kind of had the idea of what i wanted uh professor robot to be before i became professor robot before we even became cartoon violence i see so you kind of you had the 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 concept and the character sort of was the beginning yeah i had some background and stuff but then you know i don't i don't doc do you want to tell well we started making songs together yeah Yeah, we've been making music together since we were what 14 15 yeah, we've uh, been okay. doing like little on and off projects, you know. With each other. But those were always just like in a bedroom on a four track or on one of my early computers. Like we we went to Guitar Center and bought like an early recording interface, um, to just, you know yeah. play around with it. And you know we made demos for stuff. But like cartoon violence songs were like we actually got into trying to write songs, you know, regardless of the production method and who yeah. what hardware we had, but just like work we're... on songs. And then uh, he started talking about the idea for the Professor Robot character. And, and I was like, well, what character would I be? And, uh, you know, I just the default mad scientist, uh, but just in a music context. Um, and mm-hmm. I thought of the Doc Ock pun with Dr. Octave and bada bing, bada boom. We had, you know, two sort of comic book characters and immediately just started talking about, you know, Okay, the music we're writing didn't necessarily have a, a cohesive narrative yet, but the idea of having it be sort of comic book based and having these alter egos, like then we just started doing. Okay, we need origin story. Here's our backstory. Okay, we need mission. We fight musical crime. Then it just we just started connecting dots in like a brainstorming session, and 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 that was pretty much the seed of it. And then we just made a bunch of songs. Yeah. Is yeah. there right? is there a, is there a lot of backstory that's like like that you guys know that's not available um, anywhere like online or in your music or anything like that. Just like, it's just for you guys in order to base your content you create off. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have like a narrative that we want to adopt like beyond just our origin, Mm -hmm. but it's just a matter of when do we do it and how do we take it to that next level? I think for a lot of it, and uh you know i think the band also like i i it sounds like really corny and sort of you know like generic i i guess but you know we've been evolving a, a lot lately i think musically and uh i we we know what we want to do next with a lot of our music and i think we also have like a road map for where we want to go creatively outside the band like musically yeah aren't but, you doing like a comic book and stuff like that or we really like to we'd really yeah, like we've to. got a list of things we want to do 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but it's like, hard. I know, yeah. I got, yeah. We're really DIY. So, you know, between the two of us and maybe occasionally one or two artistic friends helping, like, we we really, as a two-man group, we can't do a lot more than we're doing while still, like, having day jobs and it not yeah, being our yeah. life. Um, we could probably just like bug Adam to, about it if we really yeah. wanted to. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, we'd like to do comics. Yeah, you, we'd like you, to do uh, other media, at, like, videos. The ideas that Adam and I have talked about or... Cons- you know, like say we want to do for our boots, so we've probably done about one percent of them. Yeah, it's yeah. just like some of it's just like because because we're busy doing other things, but some of it's just because in the idea realm, it's like anything goes, and you know you can think of the most elaborate idea on the planet, but but yeah. when you start like actually imagining like, well, if we were to do this, what how would we accomplish this? And it's like, is it even worth you know the sacrifices we'd have to make in order to put this thing together? You know. And a lot of times, you know, it just doesn't, it just isn't really. It takes a lot of people to make things happen outside of the music stuff. But I think for me, a lot of the times the process, the way I see it in my head is like step one, make the music. And then step two, the music gets popular. And then step three is now that you, like you get to a point where you're making music for a living. And now that that music is making you money, that frees up a lot of your free time to do a lot of the external creative things that will help create the mythology of a, of your group, so to speak. Yeah. So you, I think it also you, puts you at the level where other artists and production companies and labels, they'll notice you more to give you the resources to help achieve your vision. If it's hmm. something that, you know, they can get on board with. So, but yeah, make the music and make it awesome. So that's what we're focusing on now. I always wonder, like, I think about bands like you guys and bands like Phenomenots. Um, do you, how do you feel about, like, like every time you go on stage, you, ha- you know, you have characters, you have uh, costumes, like, this, like, you have, like, these certain things that you do. Does it, do you enjoy that process? Because, I mean, I think, like, as an audience, it's entertaining and it's pretty cool, but as, like, myself as a musician... Like with Narboots, like people often put us on bills with bands like you guys and kind of think we're similar, but I kind of think we're exactly the opposite because we don't do the same thing. We don't wear the same thing. It's a little bit more chaos, I think. And I think yeah. of like the idea of like if yeah. we had a costume that we wear every time, it just might drive me crazy. It just might become like too laborious. Do you guys, does it ever feel that way to you guys or do you just enjoy that sort of like, you know, this is our costume. This is, this is my identity with the band. I enjoy doing this. Oh, yeah. Stuff absolutely like uh well you know as much as like i'm an egomaniacal jerk and (laughs) like i want all the attention uh i love the anonymity of my costume i really do because i we've done shows and uh i've gone off stage and i'll talk to people afterwards and they're just really candid with me when i ask them questions about like performance stuff or like mm-hmm. you know anything because they don't really initially necessarily recognize that I'm in the band, and so it's like I kind of like that, like being able to get like real, real feedback on the performance afterwards and not have to worry about like people like politely coming up and telling me it was a good show, whether or not they actually thought it was a good show, but they just want to be like, hey, slugger, and then like you know give you the old like little punch on the chin, like the thumbs up. But anyway, but yeah, I mean, I like costume. I like the costume. Like, I really wanted to do a costume thing for a long time. And, like, I've always been in bands with musicians that I really had to, like, kind of fight to have the weirder, nerdier, fun stuff be in the band. 
if it was allowed at all. So like working with somebody where we have, we come from the same town, we grew up loving the same sort of stuff and we just kind of like have a similar narrative to our things we enjoy. Like, like it, it's a really yes and sort of band. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking that it's definitely an improv feel like, okay, why not? Let's work with that yeah. idea. Let's make it better. Let's make it funnier. Let's, you know, embellish Yeah, I think it. the only, you know, and, like, the only time we get, like, eh, I don't know is when we know we can make something better. And, like, yeah. we've always been able to compromise on stuff like that, which I think is, like, super fucking cool because, you, yeah. you know. For like, me in the I, costume, uh, you know, it's not as much anonymity. And, you know, a lot of people, my feedback that I get is uh, is often that, you know, I am the face of the band because the other guy's behind a mask. I have to connect more. So mm -hmm. it does, you know, I wouldn't have worn a costume in a band if it didn't have like an, an overall theme that I was digging. Uh, but it sort of does give me an excuse to be more theatrical than I otherwise would be because if left to my own devices, I'm really just going to try and focus on singing and playing my instrument well. Um, but uh, the but that's the fucking wig... boring. I know, Would right? You... But yeah. the wig gives me a really good opportunity to headbang because I went bald early in life and Aww. I don't have hair to bang my head with anymore. So to have a <laughs> wig that can flop back and forth, uh, it's reunited me with the headbanging of my youth. So that's good. Do you ever like? Uh, do you ever have moments though where you guys are playing shows or you have a show booked and you're like, God, I don't want to be. Dr. Robot again, or whatever. Professor Robot. Professor, Ro See? Professor Robot. Yeah, Don't even know point. our names. No. Do you ever be like, oh, God, I wish I, wish I was a, a different character or whatever? Or, do, or is it just, do you feel like... When it's really hot outside, <laughs> uh, I wish yeah, I had Yeah, for you, like, it's physical comfort, something. right? Yeah. Like, yeah, for like... me, I, I actually want to, I want to get sick of it more. I want to build more of the theatrics up so that it, you know, it is more something like Narboots where we do put in the effort to make it more theatrical every time and do it different. And, you know, I, I'd like it to be more like Iron Maiden where there's a giant eddy in the background and, like, uh -huh. the set yeah. moves. Like, I would like to get to the point where we're putting so much into making this, like, weird mad musical laboratory and weird sonic laser beams and props and theatrical stuff on stage that we would say, oh, I just don't want to deal with this anymore. Like, can we just play in a tiny room with bad reverb and an amp that's mostly working? I don't know. I don't know. For me, it's like uh, I'll 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 do different musical things just to have different outlets for different aspects of like music, uh, if that makes any sense. Like I re I really like a lot of different styles of music. I like performing different things. Uh. So you know, being able to get out there and do different stuff and have this one thing where you know we're both really serious musicians, but we never take ourselves so so seriously that we can't have fun with it. Like is a really nice sort of main squeeze to have yeah i understand i guess i understand what you're saying like you have other outlets so if you want to do like if you're not into like doing like a theatrical thing in your costume you have other ways to play and stuff i guess because me i've never been a person that's been like in multiple bands i mean for a very short period but i mean especially now with narboots to me that's just like i'm only gonna do that band and i'm whatever yeah, i want whatever Adam and I want that to be, that's what it's going to be. I'm not going to have another band. I'm not going to be like, well, I want a rock band, so I'm going to start another band. If like that's what I really wanted, that's what we would turn the band into. So, yeah, I guess I understand. So you're kind of saying, like, you for variety, you do have the opportunity or the ability to do other musical projects. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
we like both write our own songs that aren't right for cartoon violence. Yeah. Yeah. And we've done other projects together, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely, you know, as much as this is our focus, you know, we are musicians outside of the band. Like, we're always musicians. So here's a, here's a kind of a self-indulgent question. Um, there's more on Blake, but you, you can still answer this, too, because it'll apply to you. But so what's it like? What's it like being a Narboot? What's it like being in Narboots? Oh man, it's how many shows? Wait, I know Victor, you've done you did the art boutique. Have you done any other shows as when you're part of the band? Yeah, Is that the, uh, at, at least one Rockage, at least one Rockage. Um, the last the the uh Rockage three and four. Okay. Um, the let's see, uh, the uh, Asian Man Records anniversary. At, oh yeah, uh, okay. Parkside. Um. Oh, that one show I got kicked out of, that my my solo act was supposed to play. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. When Kids Eat oh, Free yeah. got banned from DNA Lounge. Okay, so uh, you're about a, four shows. How many, Blake? How many shows do you just, think you've you've done as Nar in our boots? Pretty much since you guys like, uh, you know, asked me to come play bass for like one or two shows. Like I played bass for you guys at the Gilman. Like, oh yeah, that's right. I was a Ooh. long time ago. Ooh, I played. Um, I played drums. I brought my kids' drum kit and uh, to the uh, California Extreme, and and played drums for Narboots alongside Travis Thomas. Yeah, and I was playing bass at that one too. Yeah, and then I think like Adam asked me to like not play bass anymore, and then I that clown costume started showing up. Um, <laughs> It just showed so, up. So yeah, I've done. I I, I don't know. Like uh, it, you know, it's kind of weird for me because like a lot of times, like I want to go and like have fun with you guys, but then I feel like I'm encroaching too. Like, oh, this is Adam and Aaron's thing. I don't want to like overstep boundaries or whatever. But you guys are always just so like nice and like that. You're like there's not really whatever. There's not really boundaries. Yeah. So I mean, it's <laughs> a lot of. I mean, it's fun. It's a lot of ways. It's like people that do like you know mosh exercising or something like that or you know aggressive yoga classes i guess it's like a therapeutic thing for me it's a catharsis but it's like honestly like you know um doing the shows it's you know, i'm not necessarily personally comfortable in my own body so like putting on that clown suit and really having to like own my girth and like be into it is like uh it's like a it's a good thing and it like ha being able to put the clown mask on and kind of like you know a lot of times on stage like i like being able to just hide behind a mask because mm -hmm. i don't want to be myself on a stage i want to be a character or whatever and like that does give me a chance to kind of put my own personal insecurities out there in like a really cool fun creative way Mm -hmm. And that might make other people more uncomfortable than I feel uh, sometimes too. Does so. it is it like different experience for you than um, what it's like to play the theatric character in cartoon violence? Like when you're in oh the, yeah, like w is it like what do you do you get something different out of it aside from the fact that you write the music in cartoon violence the the ex the experience of the show like do you get something different out of it? Oh yeah, I mean, I get to kind. Of, I I'm like, uh, you know, I'm kind of a dick in both bands, you know. <laughs> um, 
Like, like when I'm Professor Robot, like I'll, I'll be, I'll be kind of sassy on stage, but I'll, I'll, it'll probably, it'll be more friendly. It'll be more fun. It's like, you know, we're all just like joking around, but like when I do the clown stuff, like I'm like, you know, going up to like hug people and sometimes people just be like, oh, go, get the fuck away from me. And like, I tried to get people to pray at the last show and like, it was a boyfriend and girlfriend <laughs> sitting at a table and like, I finally got the girl to do it. And like the boyfriend was just like. Super, super, put his suck his nose up and put her hands down and just shook his head like no like <laughs> we don't fucking pray bro like like i'm a fucking christian or something like it's just like you know <laughs> that's the real agenda <laughs> yeah like so yeah just like you know being able to just kind of dick with people and like get into their discomfort zone more than my discomfort zone like because now it's like understood like oh i'm a performer i'm a character like I'll go and like make people wear this stupid clown hat and like touch their face. And like, if they tell me not to, I'll go and do it to the next person. And like, if they tell me not to, well, like, cool, this person's getting kooky with it. You know, like, you, you don't have to, like, you, you, you hold back to a certain point, but you don't have to hold back just, just the right amount. Yeah. I like, see, for what I like when you, when you come or when other people, show up to be part of the band and like wear an outfit or do whatever. Like my friend, my friend John has, has done some shows in the past where he dressed up like a robot, for instance. Um, I like that there's like a slight confusion about whether they're actually in the band or not. Like everybody knows that Adam and I are the band and it's obvious cause we're singing, we have the microphones, but like uh, the guy in the clown outfit, is he in the band? You know, like these other people that are roving around dressed up, are they in the band? Or are they just like random crazy people? I like I like that yeah. confusion, and, I, and so like the more confusing the people dressed up are, the better in my opinion, because it's like it really just like disorients people in terms of what's ha what's deliberately happening and what's like not deliberately happening. Do you ever play at like costumed conventions where there are a lot of people in costume in the audience? Um, I mean, I think like. When we've played like some of the video game stuff, there's gun there is people dressed up, like Rockage and stuff. That's why like um like I think it was the second Rockage when my the first time I had my friend John show up in a robot outfit. That's why it was really funny because I had him show up at the very end at during the dance party. And so I and and I also like asked him to sort of like come from off stage and just sort of present himself to the dance circle. So to, to like people watching the show, there's just like kind of like a guy in a robot outfit suddenly dancing with everybody. And are they to assume that he's part of the show or not? You know, it's, it's just as plausible either direction. Because yeah. he was never That was a stage. magical moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, so I was up in the balcony. We were live streaming it and I was shining a spotlight down on that robot. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, we got time for get, a few more questions. I want to get to the top. The we got time. The, the list soon, but let's talk about. Okay, you guys. You guys are a duo, just like Narboots. You guys are a duo. Or are or did you? You guys have a bass player and stuff. Now, we we've or? had people come and go. We've, we've had basically a, a duo. We've had a drummer and a bass player at some points, and like we've asked people to come up and play songs with us on stage or do shows with us, but. There's there's never been anyone that stayed more than like three months I think really, just because you know it's it was hodgepodge like 
we were trying to be a real band, <laughs> quote unquote. Yeah. For but a while. even when we were living with the drummer that we recorded our first studio album with, there were still shows that he couldn't play with us. Yeah, yeah, he so would just crap like, out. Yeah. Okay, so um, so we're like, fuck it, Game Boy, done. So let's <laughs> let's uh, get, let's try to better understand cartoon violence by metaphor. Tell me, in your own opinions, you know, other famous duos, musical or otherwise, could be you know, comedy duo, could be whatever duo that people are familiar with that you liken yourself to and then explain yourself so we could i'm we can understand so i'm gonna predict that doc octave is gonna probably say the same one as me and if he doesn't i know what the other one's gonna be i would even be willing to write down my second guess i i would say i have a top two prediction as well yeah (laughs) so should we just say our first one at the same time Okay, do it. Sure. All right. One. Lennon and McCartney. <laughs> what? Lennon and McCartney? Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Wow. That is really far away from mine. Well, no, yours? I think you're going to say John John Flansburg and John Linnell, right? No, that's the one I thought you were going to say. Yeah. Uh, But mine is Syphil and Ollie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Liam Lynch and Matt Krakow. Yeah. Uh, Syphil and Ollie were sock puppets on MTV. But they would do like silly little songs, and we would watch that shit together when uh-huh. we were kids. And, uh, you know, I think that was really the f- not, well, I mean, you know, we both grew up on Weird Al and stuff like that, but I think that was like the first time I really like saw like something like weird and creative that was musical, but also had this external narrative to it that was fun and entertaining. Uh, and it was surprisingly good for a show on MTV. That was just mm-hmm. sock puppets. Yeah. So, so that's funny. That's a good comparison. So, so yeah, and we would also just like cruise around listening to music that we both loved and like quoting Syphil and Ollie and stuff like that. So, so what makes you say we are like them aside from us being fans of them? Because well, first we covered a Syphil and Ollie song on our first uh, ever like collaborative effort, uh, and then also like. We're both like humor, funny. We're we're both kind of we make each other laugh all the time. You know what I mean? Whether we're being watched or whether we're on stage, like we're constantly amusing each other and having fun with it. So I think in that way, and then the fact that we're both sock puppets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mostly yeah, that. Bury the lead yeah. there. Yeah. So before you explain, um, how why you're like Lennon and McCart- McCartney, what was your second? Uh, John Linnell and John oh, Flansburg, oh, okay. they might be giants. Yeah, that was, they yeah, might that, be giants. That, okay, yeah, they might be giants. Yeah. So that was his second. And okay. was right. Which also, it's it's a case where there's a lot of, uh, you know, fandom there. Like if if I had to pick one favorite band, that would be it. Although there's a lot of quote unquote favorite bands I've had in my life. I think um, if if we had access but, to other musicians more, that we would be a lot more like they might be giants. Mm-hmm. Well, there's still a lot of parallel there because they started as two guys with the drum machine. Yeah, and some instruments, and then over the years they picked up various band members to flesh them out. But it's still the core duo, yeah, that write all the songs and do the production outside the uh, band stuff. Yeah. But let's get back to Lennon and McCartney really quick, because I feel like you might be calling me a dirty, stinky hippie, or it might be because yeah, I'm a left-handed bass player. Who's who? Like who's who here? <laughs> who's Lennon and who's I, McCartney? Well, 
I think if you want to say based on instrument, then Blake would be McCartney because he's a bassist. And I'm left-handed. I, I don't, I don't, I don't care who's yeah. who. I just, I know that they're both amazing pop I would actually... songwriters with with deep, you know, deep musical minds that worked well together for many years. Yeah. And 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 kind of, you know, they finish each other's sentences in a musical way. They would they would bring things and work on them together. And I think that's a lot of the way we work is that, you know, there will be a half-formed idea that somebody comes to the other with and together we make it into an awesome song. Yeah. I um I would actually say that you're more McCartney just because I feel like you are more that like, and I don't, and I hope you don't take offense to this, but like that mainstream sort of catchy pop stuff. Whereas, like, I mostly like go for uh, conceptual emo or emotional sort of ideas, you know, <laughs> or just sing about nerdy <laughs> Ghostbuster shit. I mean, in in the context <laughs> yeah. of cartoon violence, I say that's right. I got a lot of a lot of moody shit that I don't uh -huh. throw out there. Yeah, like, uh, your solo stuff but, would be a little more Lennon, but you're a McCartney here. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, uh, "That's fine. Fine with me." Okay. Sidetrack side here. They might be giants. What did you guys think of the They Might Be Giants documentary? Because personally, I found it to be one of the most disappointing documentaries I've ever seen, as far as music documentaries of bands I like go. I'm really you talking about Gigantic. What? Gigantic. Is that what it was called? It, I don't know. It was just a tale a, a of documentary. two Johns. Like the straight up documentary on them, yeah, it was rather boring. A lot, a lot of shots of people talking over the water in Brooklyn. Yeah, and there's people quoting their lyrics as though it were like Shakespeare or something. I thought it was the dumbest way. Like the band is interesting enough. They like seem like they tried to go really un like a really unusual path to explain why they were so interesting. It was like the yeah. It was like the worst. Thing they could have done for like such an easy band to do a good documentary for i never saw it uh well don't see it <laughs> right. sounds like i've I got win it on this. dvd i only watched it once <laughs> looks like i win yeah all right so let's um you're the host Is, do you have anything else you want to go over really quickly oh let's let me ask you this uh before we get into the top five um you guys have? Do you guys have an album coming out soon, or are you still working on it, or what? What's the status with that? Uh, we are in the mastering process for a new EP, and <laughs> we may be in the process of writing one more song. I think, maybe, for it. But otherwise, it's gonna, it's gonna. We're, I, th I think we're thinking February now, right? Sure, that'll be two Fe years since our last album. That's a good, or two years since our last studio album. Yeah, That's February or March. Uh, uh, it'll be coming out. It's uh, called Too Fat to Fail. That's uh, P-H-A-T fat. The number two twice, you know, two P-H-A-T. And then the Roman numeral two and yeah, then fail. Fail. I see. And yeah. so um, any, any different sort of um, twists and turns or anything new on the album that might come as a surprise to anybody that's familiar with your previous albums i think stuff? i think we have one song i, th I think a, lo a, a lot of the stuff is kind of reminiscent of uh things on the first album but this is our first time we've done an album just using game boy with guitar and keyboards and a little bit of live bass oh, okay. like yeah this is all this is like our first full chip tunes foray so to speak 
And yeah. so I think people will uh people will be uh in, into into a lot of that, but you know, there's there's uh like this there's one song called Fashion Fit that reminds me a lot of Sea of Truth that was on our last album. And then there's a lot of stuff that sort of I brought to the table or I worked on with with Doc Octave that uh, is a little more punk rock. And then we have one song that we just like, we're, we were going to like fart something out and throw it towards a compilation just in hopes of getting on the comp. And we ended up liking it so much that we were like, no, this is too good for like the compilation now that's got to be on an album. Uh, so yeah. So you guys have been, um, you guys have been playing alongside chip tune bands for a while. Um, was that partly why you've kind of decided to go a little more chip tune or what, what, what kind of, what was the reasoning behind kind of going in that direction well, a little bit more? So for our first studio album, there were like two or three tracks with electronic beats that I had sequenced in Fruity Loops that we just did live instruments over. So there's always been a part of cartoon violence that's like sequenced digitally and then we record live instruments and sing over it. And then because we wrote about video games and Ghostbusters and all these nerdy things, we just kept getting booked at the same shows as bands that actually used Game Boys and Nintendos in their rig. And when it came time to, you know, make new backing tracks for some songs that we were going to play live, I was like, well, why not learn how to use LSDJ? You know, I've been using music trackers since I was like 13. So I understood all the concepts. I just downloaded it, put it on a Game Boy emulator and went to town. And then we just liked how it sounded and kept going forward with it. Uh, but it kind of like accidentally came out of being paired with a bunch of chiptune bands on the same bill, not having reliable drummers to play your backing parts for you and sometimes not having reliable bassists. And then just you know, having bass and drum tracks on a Game Boy and bake it out to a file, put it on an iPad, and, you know, just narboots it from there on in. Yeah, it was just necessity more than anything, really. I don't even honestly consider our, our band chiptunes in a lot of ways. I think it's just, here's what we're doing. Like, our next EP is probably going to feature all organic instruments, so to speak. So it's not like we've stopped writing that music. It's just uh, figuring out the right way to go about doing stuff with with it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So okay, so the uh, we're gonna do uh, top five holiday songs. Holiday songs? I thought was winter songs. Or win- whatever. Well, uh, all my I songs did, are did, about winter. Well, I did Christmas, so okay. You're do you know the deal with that? Do you know the rules of the game? Uh, kinda. Yeah, we did it with the the boots. <laughs> so yeah, like we if um. If there's a repeat, well, what is, how does it work? If there's a repeat, no, we, you got to fight for it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what should what should our game be, host? Pick a winner. <laughs> What's the games? I'm sorry. Oh, oh. To uh, pick the winner. Oh, to pick a little... winner. Okay. Um. You guys are gonna love my songs. I mean, what rock pa- rock paper scissor? I don't know. Sure, we sure. can do that. Okay. So um, and I'm gonna say I'm just gonna come clean right off the bat um, that I I wrote an article for my paper in Sacramento about like Christmas songs. So I'm just stealing what I wrote from that. I'm just 
That's fair. I just put as minimal work into this as possible. I'm just letting you know. That's cool. That, yeah. We put as I'm minimal like, work into everything we do. <laughs> just kidding. So who goes? So how, how do we do this? Who goes the, first? The guest usually goes first. Okay. So um, let's I don't start know. with the victor since you're the farthest away. So you're the most guest, I guess. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. So my number five winter song is uh, "Stupid Son" by the Sincerely's which just happens to be the band that I live with right now. Uh, right. It's a song about a snowman and right. how he's going to melt eventually. Well, my t- number five winner song is uh, Frankenstein by Edgar Winter. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and it, it well is done. fucking rocking. It's really my number one. Let's be real. I mean, drums. Like That's how the yeah. drum part goes. Okay, well, mine, like I said, mine are Christmas, so they're they're not winter songs per se, but um, my fifth Christmas song will be uh, Weird Al's Christmas at Ground Zero, which I think is probably the best, one of the best Christmas songs. We should, this should become, this this should replace Jingle Bells, I think, at, at department stores. I'd be down with that. I think children need to learn. Agreed. I believe that was my number one holiday song on last year's podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. I avoided Christmas songs mostly, so we'll see where it goes. All right. From here. All right, so All right. Okay, So number four. So now my number four, um, let's go for uh, Snowball by Devo. Oh, very nice. That's a good one. I'm surprised I did not think of that. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. But you know what I did think of? What? Informer by Snow. <laughs> Beautiful. Informer. You know, say that to me, so me gotta play him. I lick it, boom, boom, down. He is, you know, Drake in a lot of ways is the new Snow, and that they're both Canadian rappers. All right, my next Christmas song, which is in winter, is Feliz Navidad by Elvez. Only version that's listenable. Elvez? Okay. Is that the Spanish Elvis? It's the Mexican Elvis. Hispanic? Are you are you familiar with him or are you just guessing? I'm just guessing. Yeah, I'm, he's El Elvez, he's the Mexican Elvis. He's right. like genius. Oh um, so he does mostly he does um Elvis songs. Like uh I think like like I think the best Elvez song if you really like as a starter is you should go look at his version of In the Ghetto. Do, do you know the Elvis song In the Ghetto? Yes. So his is En El Barrio. In El Barrio. Nice. Yes. In El Barrio. Is it like that? Yes. I'm, Look I'm it already up. in love with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Google it. All right. <laughs> so I think it's my number three. Number three uh, I'm yeah. going to go with Snowman by XTC. Oh, I like that song. Ooh, you know, I thought about putting that on my list myself. But, uh, but That's you one of those on. great, like, cool, like, polyrhythmic world beat XTC songs. I love it. Yeah, I didn't do it because I knew how much you liked XTC. So, hey, like, you're leaving the good ones for me. I don't mind. All right, fair you're, enough. You're too busy making puns. Man, no, because mine is, mine is really, you, you talk about leaving the good ones, buddy. Hey, <laughs> I don't think you can get much better than the Bengals version of Hazy Shade of Winter. I don't <laughs> think you can. You want to talk about a fucking winter song that'll rock your fucking socks off, buddy? Right there. That is a stupendous Bam. fucking winter song. Bam, mic drop. I sh- <laughs> y- y'all ain't <laughs> yeah, got nothing your... on me. As long as that's not my mic, go ahead and drop it. 
Oh, it's probably yours. <laughs> All right. My next Christmas song is Merry Christmas by Crass, which is a nice little muzak e ditty for the holiday season that you could play for your parents except the last 30 seconds when they start cussing and telling you they're going to kill you and stuff. Is that <laughs> right. the is that the one that uh I think it's like a, they, I think they're it's, spelling it out or whatever. I think that it was like a single they released. Like a 7 inch or something. Man, well, uh, uh, now that I know that you have punk rock Christmas songs on your list, there might be some interference. All right. But so, we'll find out. Okay, we'll find out coming up when we get to Number, number two, two or number one. Okay, number two. Uh, my number two is Snowball in Hell by They Might Be Giants. Ooh, yes. I don't think you've ever done a list without a They Might Be Giants song on it. Not if I can avoid it. I mean, they've got so many songs that fit so many categories. They're the band for every season. That's also why I thought you would say that we were like them. Ah. <laughs> the, wow. Well, I I got to go with uh, Let's Build a Snowman from Cannibal the Musical. Oh, I should have done that one. I wish we had collided. That's a great pick. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I thought you would have that one. I'm kind of disappointed. It's so obvious. It totally fits on my theme. I should have done it. Much better than the one that they did for the Disney movies. <laughs> All right. All right, so mine is a song called Little Merry Christmas, a song by Roger Christian. It's on the John Waters Christmas album. Have you guys heard the John Waters Christmas album? No, we're not cool and hip like you. <laughs> <laughs> if we were cool and hip, we would have listened to it. It's just a really, really sad, really depressing old song that he like dug up, like, you know, Crate Doug's song where it's about some like girl like some teenage like no no she's more like eight-year-old girl who can't walk and she's an orphan it's just like this horrible story that's supposed to be a feel-good song but it's like really horrible i love it yeah i'm already in love with it so before we before let's um let's tease up item one let's tease up let's take a little break i'm curious since we brought up they might be giants so many times and you guys are avid fans um you have a favorite they might be giants album oh flood Flood easily is my favorite. Victor? Uh, I mean, that's that's the obvious answer. It's it's so good. Um, but is it that hard not to pick it? Uh, I I'm gonna have Ron to Henry's say really I'm time. gonna have to say if I had to pick a favorite one, I'm gonna go Miscellaneous T, their first B side collection. Ooh, you're getting obscure. I I had that. Yeah. So the first. Uh, the first They Might Be Giants cassette I ever got was Flood, rented it from the library and copied it. Uh, and then the second I got was Miscellaneous Tea, and that's what I listened to on road trips and, uh, you know, down to Thanksgiving yeah. and such as a kid. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, like, and just to clarify, like, he is way, way, way more of a hardcore They Might Be Giants fan than me. Yeah. I mean, I do, I, I've never heard of They Might Be Giants song that I didn't like. I will, but like this guy's seen him. I've seen him maybe once or twice in concert, and you've seen him like ten thousand times. This year, I saw them my seventeenth and eighteenth time. Wow, I would go see my. For me, I go with Lincoln. Lincoln's my favorite. It's a good one. That is a good album. Yeah, because I like. I still like. I floods. I floods probably second, but yeah, I would say, I like them still in their official two piece format, and I think that. The first album has got some gems on it, but I feel like 
Lincoln is when they really perfected where like every single song on Lincoln is like like a good song, not just a novelty song. Like I think the first album's got like some some hits on it, but it's got it's kind of filled out with some just weirdo songs, which is cool, but you know, yeah. I just think they really advanced by that point, you know. Yeah, like they'll need a crane is so much better than yeah. boat of car. You know, let's just put it in context. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, I I agree. Lincoln's an amazing album. Uh, uh, I love. I mean, even going forward, like to John Henry, I loved how they integrated the horn sound, the band sound, into what was just originally two guys. I think that is my favorite point of evolution in their career. That album. And the thing, the thing for me too is like I think um, Flood was the first album I got because I heard it on the radio, and I listened to it. I liked it. And then I started getting other albums. And when I first heard Lincoln, like, it didn't make sense to me. Like, I was like, this is weird. Like, I can't really understand what they're doing, but it feels like it's good. And so I remember I went on some trip um, down to Southern California, and I just listened to that album on repeat the whole time. And I was like, I'm just going to, I was like, I'm just going to listen to this. I'm going to try to figure this album out. And, you know, by the end of that trip, I was like, oh, okay, I totally get this album. I get what's good about it i i can hear the how how the 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 cool melodies are catchy but also like odd offbeat and unexpected at the same time like i can it all like i just all just kind of stepped away with from it like comprehending it i guess you could say so, yeah the, so there's so that, much i think it's gonna, always going to so be. much to explore in their catalog okay so number 1 song let's start with the doctor all right this this is uh may not be expected. I'm going to go with Winter by Tori Amos. Mhm. Ha. <laughs> My friend Sarah was telling me to pick that one <laughs> earlier and I'm like, I don't actually like Tori Amos that it's much. It's not my favorite Tori Amos song. Um, but but it is one about winter. It is one about winter and uh <laughs> That's she's, a good song. It's a hey. good song. I say. And yeah, no, I'm not I'm, You can pick whatever you yeah. want. You're an adult. <laughs> I did. So there. <laughs> good. I'm proud of you. I'm really proud of you. Look at you there, over there in another state, being all grown up with the facial hair and headphones on. You've nailed me. It looks like you've got, looks like you got a badger eating with a bear or something over there in on a on a towel on your wall. It's a tapestry I found of a bunch of woodland animals playing poker. There's a fox and a moose and a bear or two and. Uh, the wolf has an ace up his sleeve. Of course he does that, sneaky, sneaky wolf. But I guess that means it's number one for me. Huh? Yeah. Number one for you. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, this is uh, the Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies by the Vandals off of their holiday album, Christmas with the Vandals. Mm. I have a tradition every year. I think I've talked about this last year maybe even. But uh, I see my family the day before Christmas. So Christmas Day... There's nothing to do, but uh, so I drink whiskey, and I listen to London Calling, and I listen to Christmas with the Vandals, and I recently added the Venture Brothers holiday album to that cycle. So there's like, I just drink, and I listen to those three albums, because uh, I think it was Joe Strummer that died around Christmas several years ago, and since then, I've just always listened to London Calling uh, on top of Christmas with the Vandals. Mm -hmm. Those are my holiday traditions. Tradition. There you go. Okay, my final, um, your final Christmas, number one Christmas song is um, 
Uh-huh. It's a song called Santa Fix My Toys for Christmas. It's uh, the official, the, the artist that it's a tribute to is just Rod and Judy, but what it really is is a, from the song poem catalog. Are you familiar with song poems? I don't think so. They're, are they poems to, that are put to songs? No. Song poems are a very strange relic from our past. Um, primarily in the 60s and 70s, a little before, a little after, there was this phenomenon called song poems. You would read these magazines. They would say, you know, send us your lyrics and X amount of dollars, and we'll create for you the next hit single using your poems, your lyrics. So it was sort of a scam in a way because these were never going to be hits. But at the same time, people wrote their lyrics, whatever they wanted, and they got songs out of them. They never altered the lyrics, no matter how weird the lyrics were. So now, like, and so they always press, like, a small number of these records. So these things have become, like, collector's items for, like, you know, record collectors. All these bizarre songs that are, like, professional musicianships, but amateur, bizarre lyrics, a lot of them. So in this particular, and so a lot of them were Christmas songs because I think a lot of people thought like, I'm going to write the next big Christmas song or something. I don't know. Man. And, and so you, you should look up song poems. There's, they're brilliant. This, like, is, this is like the list you get when you do some research. I've <laughs> already written an article about it ahead of time. <laughs> the, this particular song, Santa Fix My Toys for Christmas, I like because the concept is... It's a kid asking Santa not for new toys, but just to fix his broken toys that he has now. It's such a sad song, but I think it's supposed to be cute, but it's super sad. Like, this kid doesn't even have the self-esteem to ask for toys. He's just saying, fix my shitty shit. That's all I want. I just want my shitty shit fixed. That kid's a loser (laughs) and probably dead now. (laughs) Aaron, can we do a project where Narboots writes poems and cartoon violence turns them into songs? Yeah, it's a good idea. I'd rather go the other way around. (laughs) I want to see what kind of songs Narboots... Then it'll be a split EP. Let's do a song swap. Let's do a lyric swap. Sure. Lyric swap. And then we'll put it out on like vinyl, like two songs on... Each yeah, seven inch or whatever. There's a documentary too, um, on song poems. You should check it out. Song poem. What's it called? Tell the audience. Uh, I don't remember its exact title, but it has the word song poem in the title and probably documentary. I don't know. So Google song poem documentary. Yeah, and it's probably the only one that shows up because I can't imagine there's like ten thousand <laughs> no, documentaries there's, there's about song poems. It's really interesting actually because some of the people who contributed because they interview a lot of the people who contributed lyrics or you know back in the day and some of them are really weird people who really thought that they were going to write the next big hit some of them were people that knew it was a scam and they did it as a joke so you get this whole array of people who like had completely different ideas and see the other thing too is like you would write your lyrics you would write your lyrics and you might say like um i picture this as kind of a shuffling rock and roll song so they would honor that. They would write like a like in the vein of the style you said if you said anything. This sounds like it would be really fun to do on the internet now though. Yeah. Like just let people like pay you to write. I'm going to try this. But the musicians that did it cuz it was their business, they were like they're professional musicians, they're studio musicians, but super jaded. Like they obviously they failed in the whatever real music thing they wanted to do. And so they would just churn these songs out so fast. They were 
great musicians, so they would just do these in like two takes, top, and no soul whatsoever, just like factory, just churn these out, let's get paid, I hate my life. So the, the, the songs would have these combination of these like bizarre, naive lyrics and like super jaded musicianship playing them. I'm into it. Yeah. I'm already into it. I'm already there. Done. I will do this for a living now. I will do this for a living. I'll call it Patreon. <laughs> Patreon, yeah. yeah. $25 a month. I'll write some lyrics or let you write some lyrics. Uh, 50 bucks. I'll let you pick the genre. All righty. Done. I think. Copyright me. Okay. So people, please log on to uh, Blake's Patreon site and yeah. uh, fund his lifestyle. Whenever that happens. My lifestyle is very important. <laughs> uh, I think, is that it? That's the end of the show pretty much, right? I think that's the end of the show. Did you have any, like, all too honorable mentions that you wanted to, like, give a shout-out to, Doc, or anything like that from your lists? Or do we want to do any, any final thoughts on the 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 year of 2016 going into 2017? Fucking 2016, I think we should just all put it to a vote and just, like, Seal the records. 2016 never existed. It's like the 13th floor in a hotel. It just goes, it's 2015, something happened. Then it was 2017. Such horrible things all the time. But also, you know, hopefully that means regrowth and being stronger than before. Uh, but I'm I'm kind of pessimistic at this point. <laughs> But, uh, I, but you know, like Star Wars teaches us, there's always like a new hope. So right now there's probably some, you know, moisture farmer out there on a desert planet just waiting to reawaken the force. All right. And with that, we bid you farewell. Yeah. And uh, go to our website, buy our things. And thank you so much, Aaron Carnes, for being our special guest host guest. Thank you for having me. Thanks and, for having uh, a podcast with us. Yeah. And oh, yes. uh, where can people go to Narboots? Um, I don't know. Just no. Google Narboots. There's not a lot of Narboots online. There's so, some people use it as a skater term. So anything that you see that isn't related to skateboarding, just go there and that'll be us. There you go. And anything you say that isn't related to Nthwave UK ska, it's cartoon violence, is us. Yes. There you go. All right, and uh, we'll see you next year. Happy holidays to you and your loved ones. Treat each other good, why don't you? For a minute at least. <laughs> Bye, America and the world. Bye. Bye, America. Like, <laughs> hopefully not literally. <laughs> hey, everybody. Dr. Octave here with one more parting note for this episode. We are going to be releasing an EP in February with seven brand new songs on it. And one of those songs is going to be featured on a compilation that comes out this month. If you want to get your hands on this exclusive track, well, exclusive for a month, then go to 8bitla.bandcamp.com and you will find You Can't Tear Down a Feeling, a chiptune tribute to The Smell, which features not only a new track from Cartoon Violence, but songs by many artists you've heard on this very podcast, including Petroform, Curious Quail, Crash Faster, Together We Are Robots, Matthew Joseph Payne, a.k.a. The Mineral Kingdom, and Slime Girls. So go to 8bitla.bandcamp.com, pre-order the comp, which comes out on the 13th, or on the 13th you can also go to The Smell in downtown L.A., where Freak Fest 6 will be happening, and you can buy one of 50 limited edition 
cassette copies of this comp. And while you're in the mood to spend money, you can also go to cartoonviolence.threadless.com and browse our 12 t-shirt designs so that our art can touch your skin. Please leave your reviews on iTunes so that people know how awesome this podcast is. Please follow us on Facebook at The Real Cartoon Violence. Follow us on Twitter at Cartoon Violins. And as always, any information you didn't get here can be found at cartoonviolencemusic.com. Until next time, remember, please listen responsibly.